Hello, everyone. Welcome to Phil Cham Shanghai's Pinoy's podcast, where we get to know more about our Kababayans working and living Shanghai. I am Josh, together with Jeff, and today we are going to talk to Mr. Ludwig Tsai, sales director with Puma China. So let's begin. So, Ludwig, <laughs> uh, when did you move to China, and what was the primary motivation? My first assignment in China was in 1995. Woo! So wow. I was uh, working with uh, URC, so Universal Robina Corporation. Those who don't know URC, the makers of your favorite chippy, yeah, cheese curls, that those products. Gokongwei. Yes, Gokongwei yeah. Group. So they invested in China in uh, Xiamen. And they also had a plant in Hong Kong, so they were looking for brand marketing people. So I volunteered uh, to uh, for the assignment. Such a pioneer! <laughs> At that time, I thought that you know a change would be good. The Philippines has been uh, home to me and my family since I was born. Going out on my own and doing something different would be uh, interesting. I uh, tried that and thought that uh, it would be uh, a good change. Um, yeah, and I just thought that at that time I was still single, and maybe it would be good to also, uh, you know, meet new people and uh, be able to practice my Chinese because my Chinese is not good. But uh, since the company was able to say that okay, you can go to China with a translator or hire a translator, so I was able to to do that. Was it Shanghai right away? No, no. I started out in a place called Tongan. So this is 30 kilometers outside of Xiamen. So we were living in a in a dormitory. So we were in the factory uh, facility. And the biggest or the most fun activity we would do is that I drive to uh, to Xiamen with some of my Filipino colleagues, and that would be like a, a day trip already for us. And then you know go to Tongshan Road uh, to buy to buy whatever, <laughs> and then bring back to the little town of Tongan. That was my life for the first two years in uh, a year and a half, actually in uh, in China. So Ludwig, when you moved to China, right? China was still considered like a hardship post. Yeah. Can you share like what were the hardships you had to go through? I guess one of the key hardships that I went through during that time is that there are a lot of things that we're used to back in Manila that we we buy. For example, you know. Uh, Corned beef or mm. cereal or stuff like that that is not available in China at that time, or if it were available, it was like really really expensive. So uh, the regional office of URC at that time was in Hong Kong. So occasionally we would have trips to Hong Kong, and there you'd bring you know two luggage, empty luggage, and then you <laughs> pack it up with meats. At that time, they're not so strict with uh, yeah. you know, the quarantine and stuff like that of meat. So you can bring all the stuff. You know, bring some fruits, bring some cereal, bring some canned goods, Vienna sausages. You know, stuff like that. I think that's like one of those hardships because uh, you can't really buy stuff. And uh, I guess at that time it was. I mean, because my Chinese is not very good, so the language was also a challenge. And uh, yeah, I was lucky to have a translator helping me out for around six months, but it was difficult for him because dinners with customers. Mm. He he was the one talking the whole time. He couldn't even eat. So after six months, he had to quit. And then I said, oh, I think I should start 
learning some things to be able to speak and communicate. So I think it took me around a couple of years to just get back my Chinese because I had Chinese when I was back in high school and grade school, but it wasn't really uh, very fluent. Yeah. Was it a formal process? No, no, no. I think for me, it was uh, more of learning the colloquial Chinese. When someone who went to maybe Peita uh, for, for language lessons, they would say, okay, these are the things that we learn. And I go, I don't know those words. I only know these words. And these are the words that we use in the industry at that time. Yeah. So it's more, you know, street talk, very, uh, I think, practical words rather than the ones that mm. we learned in, in, a, in a formal language. Were there any other stops um, after that before ending up in Shanghai? Uh, yeah. So I, I also went to uh, Panyu. So Panyu used to be a separate city from Guangzhou. So uh, I was assigned there for like uh, six months and then another uh, six months uh, in Tianjin. And then after Tianjin, so I had a little car accident on the on the highway so i had to go back home and that's when i stayed in manila maybe for about a year and a half so i had surgery for my leg uh and uh i took an mba in aim that's where i met my wife and then after that i came back to china again and that was when shanghai came to be my uh, the current assignment you know you're probably one of the china veterans right of like the the phil chai you know filipino community here how has like your china experience shaped who you are it made me a little bit more uh, conscious of for example the importance of knowing where we come from or where we came from because uh, being filipinos in the philippines we just take that for granted uh, but here, when you're in China, you actually value, for example, the identity of being Filipino and Chinese and hopefully being able to bridge that gap between the two different cultures. And uh, that has always been something that my dad would say back when we were growing up in Manila, but never really uh, meant anything to me at that time. But yeah. coming here, I felt that that's more important and more prevalent. So it's it's something I feel that we need to be able to really, uh, I mean, uh, show, especially to the international community here, that you know the Filipinos are also able to do things and are also qualified to do the roles of other foreigners or expats that are here in China. In terms of work, has it always been in sales ever since you started here? Or was there like a change eventually? Well, it's always been in marketing and sales. So I started out in brand management, marketing. And then, uh, um, so that was URC. And then uh, after the MBA, I thought that I'd expand it to merchandising and product, which is also marketing related. So that's when I came into uh, tailor-made uh, Adidas Golf. That was uh, after, so URC, Unilab. So I, I worked in Unilab for about uh, maybe four years, starting up the rep office here and a, and a biotech uh, factory that Unilab invested. And then after that, then I went into sports. So it was more marketing brand uh, work for the first, uh, the local Philippine companies. And then when I went to uh, TaylorMade, Adidas, and now for Puma, it's mostly marketing and sales. And then now it's more on the sales side. And then in your, I mean, you, you said you went to IM, uh, AIM for your MBA. What were, I would say, the lessons that you learned here in your career that you, you know, that MBA wouldn't teach you? I guess like, because the MBA is supposed to expand your, 
your knowledge of uh, you know the the business world or or management uh, per se. But I think being in China and being like uh, as you mentioned earlier, like a pioneer in the in the in the market is that you you get to learn the other functional areas of the business faster because like if you're in in manila or in urc in uh, in manila or unilab you're already big and each functional area has a team that works for that uh, department or division so you only focus on your part but if you're here you're almost doing or trying to understand everything because the team is not mature and they're only uh, a few people from headquarters that were sent here. So you need to be able to understand the overall business and be able to report back to headquarters. So like we were at that time, the representatives of uh, the, the board or, or the owners, and then they come here and they ask, and of course they would always ask the Filipino team what's happening here. And of course also consult the Chinese colleagues, but Basically, you're also the bridge between the two, uh, you know, the investors, owners, and mm. the stakeholders here in, in China. So you mentioned earlier that you met your wife when you went back home. Uh, a few questions related to that. When, when you went back home, was there a moment wherein you were thinking that, oh, maybe that was a sign for me to just like stay in the Philippines? So why did you decide to come back in terms of like... Uh, your wife, were you able to convince her easily to come here? Because it took me a while to convince my wife to like come to China. Yeah, just just a few of those, uh, a couple of those questions related to like uh, the incident happened to you or the, the accident happening to you. And then if you thought about just staying back home, especially you met someone and like uh, you guys like deciding to come back to China together. I think for that, uh, I mean, I guess I'm luckier than you. Uh, I had an easy time uh, convincing my wife to come. When we uh, started dating or when we started going out during the uh, AIM days, of course, we were together. We had, to, we had the chance to get to know each other. And of course, one of the things that fellow MBA students would ask each other is, uh, what are you going to do after this, uh, exp- you know, this uh, degree? She knows that I was going to come back to China. She already knew that my... Uh, plan, career plan was to come back here. And I mean, in, in MBA, we also had a lot of China cases that we studied. Mm-hmm. And she also knows that China is a really fast developing market. And her field is market research. And she also, I guess, knows that, you know, a lot of uh, like multinationals used to field a lot of market research work in the Philippines, because we have a lot of talent there. But she also hears stories that there are a lot of opportunities here. So that's also one thing that probably made her think that, oh, I could probably also do something there. But she was already saying, okay, I know you want to go back to China and I'll support that. So it was it was actually easy for us to decide. And then when it comes to, you know, career, right? Normally when, you know, what I've seen from a lot of like expats would be they do very well in terms of like marketing and brand because language or this yeah. really grassroots connection isn't really as important, right? But what's really interesting is, you know, in your current role, sales. I always hear, oh, sales, you need to be very local. Yeah. Right? Share us your your experience in terms of, you know, how you circumvented this challenge and, you know, doing your job. I guess, yeah, you're right about that. Like, especially for, like, our product, we're into the consumer goods. And uh, you need to be able to talk to distributors. You need to be able to work with landlords and uh, you know a lot of them are all local uh, i guess one thing for me 
I mean, outside of language, of course, you have to be able to talk to them. But the the way that we relate and the way that we work with them. So in sales, uh, I guess a lot of people know you have to be drinking a lot. You have to go out to dinners. You have to do all that, you know, to build the Quan Chi and all that. So that's important. But I guess like uh, being part of that and being to able to understand the, the psyche of the Chinese uh, businessman, then that can really make you be you know, accepted into that uh, whole uh, realm of uh, sales management. And I, I guess because in marketing, you also do that. Probably you do it with uh, you know, the agencies, you do it sometimes with uh, you know, some of the, uh, the partners, but for sales, it's, uh, you have more people uh, you know, exposure, but I guess it's, it's, it's almost similar to what the marketing person does. So it, it was a, it was a, not a very easy shift, but it was, I think, uh, a comfortable shift for me. And uh, I guess the being here for almost 24, 25 years is, you know, my Chinese has improved from, you know, day one up to now. So I would think that that also kind of helped a bit. Um, so as far as like, uh, you've witnessed the rapid growth of China, having been here since 1995, any, um, anything specific that maybe you're hoping that that would be the type of change that can happen back home for us that oh. you, you would like to see? <laughs> if the Philippines can achieve what China achieved in maybe just five years or six years, I'd be very happy. But I've seen China from the day that it had no Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. Now it has, what, four or 5,000 Starbucks stores. From, from the Yan'an Road was built in 1995, it was completed in 1996. Our, I don't know, Skyway back home, how long did it take to be built? So <laughs> I, I know it's a different, uh, you know, government system, mm -hmm. you know, different mentality or culture. But I think, I mean, us Filipinos can actually learn a little bit from what, how the Chinese has evolved from being, you know, a very, uh, you know, agriculturally dependent country to what it is now. The sick man of Asia. Yeah. And now who is the sick man of Asia? <laughs> so, I mean, we, we can learn a lot from, from what the Chinese has achieved over the past, uh, you know, 30, 40 years. But is there something specific that you would like to see first, given that we probably need to start baby steps? Uh, if you're going to name like maybe big one or question, two. yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 I know, but it's an interesting like, point. Yeah, he, he's I think okay, a one, lot of things. One, yeah. one thing, and uh, <laughs> one key thing, which I think is uh, something that a lot of presidents in the past have talked about, and even the current president is saying that they've done a lot. But it's the infrastructure development. That's something that we really need, and we all know the traffic mm. is so bad back home. And not only just traffic, but, you know, going from point A to point B is, like, impossible. People can't conveniently, you know, go to work, you know, without uh, thinking, oh, what's going to happen today and all that. So, I mean, here, I also remember when I was first in Shanghai, one or two, only two lines of subway. Yeah. Now, I don't know how many there are. I lost yeah. count. Yeah. something. I think so. It's, yeah, it's but, either close to 20 or like close to 25. Yeah. So, I mean, if the Philippines can just do the infrastructure, make it better, then, you know, the economy can follow, uh, lives can be better. And, and of course, the corruption, that's a separate topic. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that could be one. Actually, the one of the other things that, you know, always like at least 
people ask me, right? For people like stayed here in China for quite some time, it's like when you go back, what will you be looking forward to? Mm. Go back home, assuming you know we get to that point. Like, yes. what will be, what will you look forward to, and at the same time, what will you actually miss from here? Yeah, from here. Well, the the key thing going home is that I'll be with the family again. Yes, yeah. we're the only ones who's uh, outside of the Philippines. Uh, I am a certified OFW, or registered. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that's the mo- the one thing that uh, because I mean we have friends here, but of course family is different. Yeah, and uh, I mean. For me, probably it's not a such a big deal because I only come from a family of four. I only have one brother, but Millet came from a family. They're like six, six siblings, and then so they're really also, especially with the sisters, they're very close. So that's probably something that uh, we look forward to when we go back. But I think the ones that we will miss from China would be, uh, I mean the. Especially now with uh, with the kids, the, the the security, the safety. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing, and then the other one would be I think the the convenience of being able to go or uh, travel around or without being you know held in in bad traffic. I mean, yeah. Shanghai traffic is also bad, but it's not as bad as the ones back in the Philippines. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's something that you you can expect that okay from. Uh, 6.30 to 7.30, that's when the, you know, when you mm. go home, that's the uh, the rush hour. But in, in the Philippines, you don't know, like, if it's 6 to 10, 6 to 11, when is the rush hour? It never ends. It so, never, it's a whole day. Yeah, it's a whole day or it's a whole night. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, I guess that's that's one. That's Those are the things that we'll probably miss. So in terms of, like, um, having a, a, a partner, like, a couple of questions again, right? Were there certain things that you think in terms of adjustment that was different when you came here by yourself and then when you came here as a couple Mm. and um in terms of like in your situation like what you mentioned earlier you got lucky because uh your wife knew what she was getting herself into but if there's uh if there are partners that um like it was only like one person who was here first um are are there like uh, suggestions that you can give to them on how to like uh, make China more appealing or like how to like find a way to uh, convince them to like come here at an earlier stage in their relationship or something like that. I guess maybe now would be, I would think it's easier, especially if you're going to be based in Shanghai. You can always say that it's a very uh, modern cosmopolitan city. Um, if they're coming from the Philippines, you can say there are more restaurant choices here. There, you know, <laughs> there there are a lot of things that we actually get here that probably is not available in the Philippines. And it would be also if the person loves to shop, you can also say that a lot of products in China are not available in the <laughs> Philippines. Yeah, it's true. But if the person is very family oriented, then. If all everyone's back home, then probably convincing mm. that person to come over is difficult. So I guess it really depends on the priority. Uh, let's go back to yeah. the first question about like uh, the adjustment uh, of you coming here by yourself versus like when you guys were here. Were there any like major differences in mm. terms of like the adjustments? Something glaring? Um, for, I, I guess for me, the only adjustment was uh, I wasn't going out as much <laughs> as a single. Uh, person versus when you're married but 
I mean, when we didn't have kids yet, we tried to explore the nightlife here as a couple mm. as well. But when I was here uh, on my own, I mean, I, I would hang out with a few foreigner friends, a few uh, Filipino friends. At that time, like there were a lot of places to go to, you know, uh, Tongren Road or Chululu, you know, yeah. different places. But it really also so depends. Tongren by night. By night, <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. So, Pre-expo days. Yes. Pre-expo days. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. There was an adjustment, but I don't think it was a big deal because we were constantly in communication. And uh, I mean, at that time, I remember I always had this uh, calling uh, calling card wherein you scratch, there's a code, and it's a long-distance call. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, I remember oh, that. Yeah. yeah, I forgot about those. <laughs> so at that time, you don't even have, you know, the, the WeChats or the mm. online... Uh, you know, a communication platform. So that's how we kept in touch. And at least uh, there was email already. So email was also quite... Oh, convenient. yeah. I'm reminded of the scratch cards. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those, those are valuable uh, yeah, assets. assets. <laughs> and then when... The thing is... The other thing is when you move to China, right? What were the things that you used to perhaps not like that you eventually learned to mm. like or love as a process? Let's start with food, maybe. Or you know, anything. Anything. Yeah. But this is a wholesome uh, session. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> or we can edit things. Or yeah, we can, we edit, can things edit things. <laughs> so we keep it, you know. <laughs> no, I guess like uh, the, the driving. Because I, I started driving early in China. I was mm. driving in my first assignment in 95. And at that time, it was really like, you know, the wild, wild west. And... Mm. Uh, now, I actually think that, you know, especially in Shanghai, I mean, if you go to tier three, tier four, tier five cities, the drivers are still crazy. But uh, in Shanghai or Beijing, they're even more disciplined than Filipino drivers. I mean, you don't see counterflow, you know, yeah. actions here. You, you don't see them, uh, oh, the, the red light is on, but I'm the only one there, then I beat the red light and just go across, right? Nobody does that here. Even like three in the morning, if it's red, it's red. They don't go. So I guess like that's something that I really hated driving in China before. I was like always, you know, honking my horn. But <laughs> now it's like even here, you can't honk the horn. It's illegal. You see the progression of them being such bad drivers, inconsiderate. Now you see cars stopping for people to cross the, mm. the, the crosswalk, right? Yeah. So I guess that's one. And uh, maybe also in the 90s, when you ask about the women, I don't know. I remember during the summer, they used to wear these flouncy uh, dresses that's see-through and because it's hot right so you yeah. wear something uh, airy and light but now you don't see that anymore I mean <laughs> people are more fashionable now so but I used to like hate them I go why are they wearing that it's really awful but <laughs> but of and, course and, and they used to wear, uh, wear those things at offices as well yeah yeah, yeah. 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 many many years or ago. they wear heels to go up the, the great the, wall yeah the trek uh, yeah. you know when they go hiking or even the exercise machine yes yes yeah. yes I've seen that in yeah. the gyms yeah. yeah so you've been here a long time uh, and it seems like you'll be staying here for quite a while how, how do you keep um, China interesting for you or like how do you keep yourself motivated in staying here I guess my work because uh, I mean I, I guess we're all lucky that we're here in China because uh it is a growing economy. It's a fast developing market. And a lot of companies are focusing, you know, their efforts to build the business here. So 
I guess that's what's keeping me going to be here is that, you know, the, the work and the, uh, the, the challenges are always changing. It's very fast paced. I mean, I'd love to go home back, you know, go back to Manila and, you know, live a slower, you know, mm, lifestyle. More relaxed. Yeah, more relaxed, very predictable market. But uh, I guess, I think I'm still young. But not yet. Probably not that young, but yeah, not yet. Not yet to go back home and take it easy. So it's more of that, you know, that rush feeling that, you know, things are going. And, and the industry I'm in is, is very, uh, I guess, dynamic. You know? mm. it's, it's exciting. It's sports. It's uh, sports fashion, stuff like that. So it, it's, it's ever-changing. Okay. Um, so so our last question, uh, what are specific tips that you would like to share with our fellow Filipinos on how to thrive here in China? You know, having, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff, but I think he's probably, the, uh, so far from the people that we've interviewed, he's probably been here the longest. He's like, our forefather. <laughs> <laughs> 1995. So like in, in terms of like surviving and thriving here, you've seen it all. So what would you uh, suggest or what are your pro tips to our fellow Filipinos? I guess the most important thing to be able to, you know, survive or thrive in, in China or in a market like this is to first like what you're doing you know, be passionate about the work that you're doing. Or if you're not working here, why are you in China? Mm. So if, if you like or you're passionate about what you're, you know, being involved in China, then it's going to extend you to uh, to stay longer. And I guess that's one thing. And that's why I guess for me, I moved from food to pharmaceuticals or even biotech and then to sports. And I realized that, okay, I like marketing. I like uh, uh, sales. But, you know, I shifted from different industries. And I realized that I really like sports and it was a very dynamic uh, industry. And therefore, I, this is the industry I've stayed in the longest. So I've been into two brands, uh, sports brands. And in, in total, I've already been working for this sports industry in China for 18 years. So that's what's keeping me going. Maybe like if I say, oh, I'm going to go to uh, go back to pharmaceuticals or something like that probably i wouldn't stay that long because i i wasn't also that interested in pharmaceuticals but sports is such a dynamic category it's fun and yeah you... i mean it's not only just sports pure sports but yeah. we've already expanded into sports lifestyle correct yeah i mean just like you guys you're all wearing sneakers or flip-flops or you know sandals or slides and these are all related to what we do so mm, that's yeah. why i think it's very and now with everyone doing you know, work from home, you know, you have to be comfortable and all that. Okay, there you have it, guys. Uh, you know, uh, words of uh, uh, tips from Mr. Ludwig. Uh, thank you for joining us today. We enjoyed having you with us and hopefully our fellow Filipinos have learned from the stories you have shared and inspire them to make it happen here in Shanghai. So is there anything else that you would like to tell our listeners? Is there something that uh, you do outside of work that you're passionate about or you would like to invite like our kababayans to like join or like do it with you or visit the nearest puma <laughs> store, puma store. <laughs> uh we have a store <laughs> no, you should no, go, go. <laughs> no uh, no my final message is thank you guys for having me uh i appreciate and I, i'm pretty sure all the kababayans also appreciate what you guys are doing you know putting these things together 
raising the profile of the Filipino community here in uh, in Shanghai. So thank you. And thank you for your time. Yes, thank yeah. you. So guys, if you would like to know more about PhilCham Shanghai and how to join, you can follow our official WeChat account, which is PhilChamSH, or visit our website, www.philcham.org. And before we say goodbye, we'd like to thank Oasis for hosting us. Join us again next time on Pinoys, where we'll get to know more about our fellow Kababayans working and living in Shanghai. Once again, this is Jeff and Josh signing, signing off. off. Maraming salamat po.